world according to me, the show where perception is reality, facts matter, and the truth will set you free. Um, on today's episode, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about all the stuff that's been happening in the news lately. There's a lot of it, uh, a lot to break down. Um, except that I, I believe it's all tied together and it's being done intentionally. Um, and we're going to break that down for you and we're going to cut through all the bullshit like a hot knife through butter, like we always do. Um, and we're going to do it in a unique way. Um, and hopefully it's something that you'll find enjoyable and something that you'll share with your friends and family. Um, so without further ado, those of you who have been fans of the show, we're going to go straight to my now world famous PowerPoint presentation and, uh, we'll get this, we'll get this party started. So in 1973, uh, there was a movie called The Sting, um, and it starred the ever-funny Jackie Gleason, uh, Robert Redford, and Paul Newman. And The Sting was about a long con, um, and a con meaning that uh, there were two con artists um, that put together this, uh, this long con, or sting, um, in an effort to recoup things that they thought had been taken away from them. Um, and that's really kind of how I equate what's going on right now. I think the Democratic Party um, is basically the con artist um, and that they are drawing us into this long con. Um, and I'm not sure that everybody sees the final goal. Um, the trick to a long con is tricking people into believing that they know what it is. And that way they're actually fighting against something that isn't really the, the outcome. So uh, the sting, the left and the long con. First, we need to understand what a, what a sting or a long con is. And so I, uh, I went into uh, Google and uh, looked up how to perform a long con um, and extracted information. Um, as I always tell you at the onset of every show, I try to avoid pulling things off of Fox News so that you guys aren't able to say, well, Jason, you're just an echo chamber for Fox News and we know how the right people think. And, and so they do it through Fox as their medium. Um, so I try to avoid using Fox at all costs. Um, so definition of a long con. Um, it's an elaborate scheme that develops in several stages over an extended period of time, wherein the con artist gains the victim's trust by creating a mutual villain. The con artist will often bypass smaller gains with the goal of reaping a much larger payout in the final maneuver. The key to pulling off the long con is giving your mark the illusion that your goals are in sync, that you share the same ideology. Um, and success can and will be achieved only with their help. That's how the con artist pulls you in. So let's meet the players in, uh, in our sting operation. Um, first, we need to decide who the con artist is, and it's the Democratic Party, uh, specifically but not limited to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Uh, they are at the head of this snake. Um, they are the con artist, and they have been putting this together for a long, long time. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that uh, later on in the show, but specifically what's going on today is where we're going to put our focus. So now that we know the con artist, Who's the mark? Well, the mark is Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Not Joe Biden, the Democratic Party. He just happens to be inside that, inside that uh, conversation at this point. So the Democratic Party, specifically the lower and middle classes, um, minorities, up to and including females. Um, they've, uh, uh, they're convincing them that, uh, uh the Republican party, uh, is subjugating them and, and putting them aside. And, and that's where the con initially gets set. Um, that's where the, where the concrete gets set. Um, and so who's the villain? Well, that's not an, that's not a hard thing to figure out. Uh, Donald Trump and the Republican party are the villain, specifically Donald Trump. Um, if you don't believe me, uh, go on to Google, um, and try to find out, um, how many African Americans work for Donald Trump's organization? 
I looked for an hour and a half. You can't find that documentation. However, you can find it on every other company in the world. Why is that? Because they want you to know, or they want you to think he's a villain. And the only way to do that is to continue to perpetrate the lie that he is a, uh, a racist and a stooge. So we have the stage set. We have our con artists, the mark and the villain. The beginning of the sting starts. So pulling off a great con, part two. Um, in order to pull off a great con, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, you have to have other people buy in because if you are the only uh, fountain of information uh, perpetrating the con, uh, eventually uh, they start to ask questions and other people don't support the, uh, the information that they're feeding you and therefore the con falls apart. So you need what is known as the shill. The shill is a plant or a stooge. Um, a person or persons who publicly give credibility to the con artist without disclosing they have a close relationship. This is important to remember. Shills carry out their operations in the area of media, journalism, marketing, and politics. Shills may also act to discredit their opponents through character assassinations or other means. This should start taking shape for you at this point. But let's find out who the shill is. Who is it really? Is it a person? Mm, kinda. Uh, but it's really wrapped up more in all of the companies that we are influenced by every single day. And if you look at this board, it's pretty frightening. Um, you have Amazon, Google, Twitter, Apple, Facebook. Um, I, I, I would challenge anyone within the sound of my voice to pick, I don't know, a five or six hour span that you didn't use one of these elements in your daily life. Um, I've mentioned the word Google four times and we've been on the air less than three minutes. Um, so uh, this stuff happens every single day and it's not by coincidence, um, that you Google a pair of shoes and then you get an ad on Facebook for those types of shoes. Um, and it happens the same thing with Amazon and Apple touches your everyday lives. Um, I have uh, friends that have entire families that everything is connected through Apple products from their phones to their TVs, to their, uh, uh, to their, uh, computers, um, and everything else that they touch. Um, Twitter, I think, is probably the, uh, the, the darkest element of this. Twitter has become such an icon um, in, the American, uh, in the American public. Um, it's a mode of communication that a lot of us use, and it, a lot of it, it's how we get our information. Um, and essentially, it's just it's a headline. Um, it's it's a, a quick moment in time established by a very short uh, number of characters. Um, and everybody thinks that's cool because you can't run on the diatribes. But the idea is that you can just throw random stuff out there um, and it will influence or create a spark of emotion for your readers. Um, as you can see, each one of these posts um, on, these, uh, on these companies deals with Black Lives Matter. I didn't make this up. I just pulled it directly off of their sites over the last couple of days. They're all in support of it and most of them are profiting from it, um, which is, should be a little bit insulting if you are uh, a minority or a woman um, in this country uh, because they're actually profiting um, off of your, um, off of your, uh, off your, off your problems. Um, so that's, that's a little bit weird in and of itself. Um, but it's frightening that those people are actually touching us every single day. So um, let's expose the shell. Um, you would think um, that those five companies, as much as they preach and as much as they uh, lecture us on uh, being a diverse society, uh, supporting women in the workplace, equal pay, um, African-Americans, uh, Asian-Americans, all nationalities, mixed races, a, a true cross-section of the United States should be represented. They tell us that every single day. 
You can go into Google and you can just type in the word diversity and you'll get a million articles. Same thing on Amazon, uh, on Facebook uh, for the last several weeks. As soon as you open it up, there's a banner across the top where their logo is and it's about six different color fists. The odd thing is there's no white ones in there. Wrap your mind around that for a second. Um, so they're all telling us that we need to be diverse. So therefore, by default, you would think that they would be the leaders in diversity in this country. They would be the example by, by which the rest of us should follow and, and set our moral compass in that direction. So um, I wanted to see if they were actually living up to that. And as you can probably figure, they were not. Um, so I wanted to do it in an interesting way other than just stating fact and saying, well, look, they have Black Lives Matter on their sites, therefore they're supporting that, um, which is, means that they're not fair and balanced. So what I did was um, I went to Forbes um, and I looked at a minority employment record um, for, for 2019 um, on those five companies. Um, we're, you know, we're just kind of halfway through 2020. It's been weird. So I started with an entire year um, that, that I thought might give us a, a nice look um, and, and a consistent look at information. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the company. Uh, then we're going to see what percentage of their workforce is black, what percentage of their workforce is white, and what percentage of their workforce is male. And by default, that will tell you their percentage of female or non-gender specific. So Amazon uh, came to mind first. 6.2% uh, of their entire workforce um, is African-American. Um, think about that for a second. So the, one of the largest companies in the world, uh, owned by the richest man in the world, um, who is continually preaching to us um, about diversity. Um, he actually does things in his company that symbolize diversity. We're gonna take everybody to $15 an hour and, and uh, the minorities say, that's amazing, but they don't work there. Uh, only 6.2% do. 60% um, of his population are uh, Caucasian or white, um, and 63% of his employment population is male. Um, so you do a little bit of quick math there, and you realize that that number is upside down. Google. Uh, Google has an embarrassing 2.5%, um, and Google's very influential, and if you've been paying attention to the news, you would see that. Um, they're very influential in the diversity game. 61% uh, of, of their employment population is white and 70% is male. Um, so I want you to think about those two things. They are, out of these two companies, they're one of the lowest in terms of diversity and uh, skin color. Um, and they're one of the uh, lowest in diversity in terms of gender. Apple. Um, Apple actually, in terms of this segment and this group of, of, uh, of, of information, actually does a pretty good job with the diversity piece. 10% um, of their uh, employment population is African-American. Um, a, 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 a nice mix, I guess, at 55% would be Caucasian or white. Uh, but then male, they're back up to 65%. So it's a little bit lopsided there as well. Next is Facebook. Uh, Facebook, whew, boy, for all the preaching they do and, and uh, the lecturing that they give and the information that they block, you would think that they would be, they'd be leading the charge on all of this stuff. Well, 3.5% of their employment population is black, 47% is white. That's actually a good number. They're actually leading this, um, this charge in this respect, um, but back up to 64% that are male. Um, so a little bit lopsided on the male-female ratio there, although they, they do a pretty good job with the, um, uh, with the white versus other races. Unfortunately, only 3.5% are African-American, and that's the largest minority population in this country. Next, let's look at Twitter. 
Um, Twitter, um, I know several friends, uh, several that live in my neighborhood and several that are probably watching this video right now um, that have been blocked in Twitter accounts and blocked in Facebook's accounts for things that you post um, that are not necessarily racist, but they are contradictory to the narrative that the Democrats and these liberal companies are trying to push. Um, and so they block you. Um, so that it can't be seen. Um, here's the result of what they block. Only 4.4% of their employment population is African-American. 60% are white. 60%. And 70%, they have the highest uh, concentration of uh, male to female ratio um, out of these five companies. Out of the five most liberal companies on the planet, arguably, um, they have one of the worst records. Um, so I would imagine at this point you're saying, well, Jason, it's easy just to pull out the information that you want, but in this country, um, it, we're a racist country. I mean, we see it on the media every day, right? Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, MSNBC, CNBC, CNN, all of the mainstream media tell us every day that we are a racist country and, you know, I'm white. And so I, I know that there's white privilege and all of those types of things. So the country can't be doing that much better than what these five people are doing. Um, as a matter of fact, they're probably leading the charge and the rest of the country's gotta be much worse because we are such a racist institution. So let's look at a national average. Well, nationally, uh, the average is 13.1% African-American. Still not a great number, but if you add those five together and divide it by five, it's almost triple what the average of the five most liberal companies who preach to you incessantly about diversity, it's the, the national average is three times better than they are collectively. 61% of their employment population across the country is uh, white or Caucasian. Um, so that fits right in the same line with everybody else. Um, and then only 52% are male. So the rest of the country is actually doing something to uh, drive the diversity piece, whether you are a person of a different nationality, race, or skin color, or you're a person of a different gender, the five companies that preach to us the, off, the most often and who we've identified as the shill are not following that narrative. I wonder why that is. Well, because they don't really care about the outcome. They only care about the money and the control. And we're going to continue to prove that as we go along. So here's some more facts about the shills. Um, shills can't do it by themselves and they can't do it in one segment. You actually have to have a cross section of shills because people are influenced by different things. Uh, everybody basically in the United States uses one of those five companies in some aspect of their life, whether you're ordering dog treats on Amazon um, or you're looking up information for your teenage uh, son or daughter for school on Google, um, that touches someone's life in every component. But in order for us to truly uh, download that message. You would need a shill that can communicate with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis, that can influence outcome of situations to prove to you that everybody is involved in uh, the result of what will turn out to be the long con. Um, so I went to um, Yahoo Finance, uh, again, avoiding Fox because I don't want to be perpetrated as an echo chamber. Um, so I went to uh, Yahoo Finance and according to Yahoo Finance, these are the 10 worst run states in the United States. And this is done uh, based on uh, how they budget themselves, financial stability, um, employment, um, and all of those types of things. Um, so they all use the same algorithm in order to figure it out. And these are the top 10 uh, most uh, poorly run states in the country. And what do they all have in common? Well, all but one are democratically run. Um, Alaska, yeah, I kind of toss them out there. It's a huge state with very few people, um, but they are in that realm. But nine of the 10 are democratic, democratically run, and that's important to know. 
Um, they're run by Democrats. Now here's an, uh, the more interesting component to the rest of this part of the shill. Um, being in a state that's democratically run, that's not doing very well, doesn't necessarily expose you to the shill unless the shill has a mouthpiece. Well, in Minnesota, you have Amy Klobuchar. In Vermont, you have Bernie Sanders. Massachusetts, you have Elizabeth Warren. Check out New York. You have Andrew Cuomo, AOC, Chuck Schumer, Jerry Nadler, Kirsten Gillibrand. There are what four, four people on that list that ran for president uh, in this last election cycle. They didn't last very long, but they ran. Their names are out there. People know who they are. You may not be familiar with their ideology or their thoughts or how their voting records, but I can promise you they are in line. Uh, Two of the people, at least two, if not more, are self-proclaimed socialists. Uh, Bernie is the face of the Socialist Party. Um, AOC is the face of the Socialist Party and the Green Deal. Um, think about whose name you see most often tied into the news through the shills um, in the last several months. Andrew Cuomo, AOC, Chuck, Schuller, Chuck Schumer, um, and the likes. Um, so they are actually influencing the people in those states, and that's a huge cross-section of people. So you combine the two shills together, and you got a pretty powerful engine for information. So um, in the late stages of a long con, um, you, you need a distraction. Um, and so you orchestrate a distraction in order to avert the attention of the mark, because at some point the mark starts to ask questions, right? They feel that you're partners, and therefore by being partners, they should have the uh, the right or the responsibility to ask questions and demand answers. And once that starts, you need a distraction in order to get them out of the way so that you can continue to put the final pieces um, of your con into play. Um, the keys to a great distraction um, are large in scale. They have to be uh, something big enough to grab the attention of the mark. And since we know that the mark is the entire left wing of the party, all the way up to the, the middle and, and, uh, and less, uh, less left-leaning, but almost conservative in that 98% grouping, um, it has to be large, something that just pulls your attention. It has to be impossible to avoid, to avoid watching. Um, so it has to be something that you just can't not see. Um, so I want you to think about these things as we go through them um, and see if they fit the mold. And then finally, they have to contain an emotional connection. It can't just be uh, a loud bang or uh, you know a, a few words. It has to have something that touches you emotionally, that grabs you, and is also in connection with the long con. Uh, because if they don't create, if they don't have those three elements, it, the the distraction will still be there, but it'll be very short lived, and they'll move on, and then eventually you'll have to create another distraction. So you have to make it count. So um, examples of a great distraction would be statues. Um, if you've been watching the news like I do, which is a 24 hour cycle and I have it on pretty much all the time, uh, Nancy Pelosi wants to remove 11 Confederate statues from the Capitol National or the Congressional National Statuary Hall. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, the Democratic talking points have changed from racism to Confederacy, which essentially means the same thing. But what they're trying to do is create that moment in time that actually separates us all. And the way to do that is by the most divisive thing that's ever happened in our country. So um, statues, they're large in scale. They're all over the place. In the United States, we are infamous for building statues and monuments and writing stories and paintings and everything that talks about our history, not unlike most other countries do. Uh, but we are very good at that because we actually enjoy it. Um, and here, they're all over the place. So it's going to take a long time to rectify those issues. And if you're watching, I mean, good Lord, they, they pulled down a statue of Stevie Ray Vaughan the other day. Uh, yeah, the musician. Uh, he had on a trench coat and a, a bolero hat, I think it was, and it made him look like a Confederate general. And so they tore it down and wrote all over it. 
come to find out, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Next, it's impossible not to watch. Uh, why? Because the shill um, has it in your face every single day. If you don't believe me, open up Facebook, and in less than 10 seconds, if you don't see something about a statue coming down, BLM or graffiti on some of the national monuments, I'll kiss your ass in Macy's window because it is so in your face every day you cannot avoid it. Again, I pulled these right off of Google. All I did was type in statues, and it pulled up roughly 900 pictures. I just selected three. Finally, um, it has to uh, contain an emotional element. Um, the emotional element here is obviously slavery, um, which converts to racism, which you can't say slavery or, slavery or racism because it just sounds too contrived. So they've now called it the Confederacy. And by the Confederacy, they are separating blacks and whites because that's the first spark of emotion that comes up when you say the word Confederacy. You think Civil War, Civil War being the black-white issue, that's how the, that's how the whole thing is written in the history books. So a very emotional uh, moment. So it's, it's one of the perfect distractions. Uh, I, uh, I'm a fan of the fact that they came up with such a great distraction. Not a fan of the distraction, obviously, but they're doing a good job setting up the con. Um, those things alone won't keep that going. So they pepper it with other distractions in there. So you're pulling down the statues. Those are big, crazy emotional moments, but you need other things to keep the momentum going because there's time in between them. Um, and the, the, the country moves at such a quick news pace nowadays. If you don't have things that uh, keep you engaged until the next big part of the distraction happens, you'll lose interest. So Russia, Russia, Russia. That started, I think it was a month before he got inaugurated. Um, Trump was a Russian spy. Um, he outfoxed 17's intelligence agencies. And the weird thing is then they had a, a press conference in the, in the press briefing room uh, where they actually uh, uh, questioned the White House doctor or um, the uh, Surgeon General, uh, whether Trump might be mentally inadequate. Basically, they wanted to know if he was retarded um, or able to run the country. So which one is it? Is he, uh, is he a Russian asset that is so smart that he's outfoxed our 17 intelligence agencies, which are the smartest people on the planet? Or is he corky? I mean, you can't be both, right? I mean, if he is, then we got some bigger problems than Donald Trump, right? We got 17 really bad intelligence agencies. We're actually starting to find out that they may actually be in cahoots with the long con, but that's another show. So in order to support the Russia, 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 they brought in Democratic Jesus, Bob Mueller. He spent two years and $25 million proving absolutely nothing, but it was a great distraction for them because it was on the shill every single day of your life. You couldn't turn on a TV. You couldn't look at Google, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook, none of that without seeing something going on with the Mueller investigation. Hell, they just arrested random people. They started with Michael Flynn. Of course, that didn't work out. Now they had to let him go because they literally made shit up in order to make this work. Great distraction, bad politics. Then they went to impeachment. Um, well, if they didn't find anything in the Mueller investigation, of course, the next logical step is to impeach him over the nothing that you found. But they did it. Uh, spent more money. Uh, they put us through the impeachment process because it took us all the way to the end of the year. You remember the impeachment process ended about mid-December. Um, so they got us through all that, took us all the way to the end of the year. This has been a matter of stretching these distractions all the way to the next election. Um, we would think that their main goal uh, in the impeachment process was to remove Trump from office. Not necessarily. They actually need him as part of the con. This was just reinstating the villain um, and, and making sure that we understood exactly who they, who they want us to think he is um, and, and keep that perpetual line moving. Then we had Jesse Smollett. 
Um, this is one of those small little pepper distractions that gets thrown in there. Remember Jesse Smollett, uh, African-American guy living in Chicago who decided at two in the morning in negative 20 degree weather that he needed a Subway sandwich. Um, and so he walked <laughs> in 20 degree weather from his hotel to a subway where he was magically attacked by two random white guys wearing MAGA hats who just happened to have a noose in their pocket, threw it around his neck and dumped bleach on him. I can't believe it either, but that's the story that he told. And it was on the news forever, uh, if you remember. And it lasted eh, a month, maybe two months. Um, and then it disappeared. Um, I don't think anybody finds it odd that nobody's heard anything out of Jesse Smollett since all of that kind of blew up in his face. So decent distraction, kind of kept the story moving along, but it died out quick. Uh, then we rolled into COVID. Uh, so we got through the impeachment. We had Jesse Smollett. Then we got into COVID. Now, I'm not saying that COVID was a distraction, but it was a very convenient uh, moment in time for this to occur. Um, and I don't think any of us find it really odd that it happened at the end of the impeachment process. And it just happened to, and I don't think it's magic that all of this happened to just uh, magically line up eight, nine months before the 2020 election. Um, so we rode that out. They needed to uh, they needed to stop Trump. And in order to do that, you had to take away his successes, of which they thought there were only two, much more than that, but that's a different show also. Uh, but he had a roaring economy and unbelievable unemployment rates. We know that. And that that is the, the fact, and it is undisputed. It's undisputed by even the shill. The shill will tell you that as well. They'll tell you that he didn't necessarily do it all. They tried to give Obama some of the credit. But regardless, he was riding on the number one economy the country's ever seen and the lowest unemployment rates in history for all uh, cross-sections of the country. So they had to disrupt that. Well, COVID did that because they immediately decided we need to shut down the country, which shut down the economy and put millions of people into the unemployment line. So that deteriorated that story. Um, however, I don't think that's going to last. In May, we actually had the greatest job uh, report that we've had, uh, I think, in the last 20 years. Irrelevant. So then the riots. Uh, COVID started to die down. And so uh, the death of George Floyd, uh, which was um, unfortunate, and it was a murder. Um, it wasn't a police issue. Um, we discussed that in our lap episode. And if you haven't seen that one, uh, go to my YouTube channel and watch uh, Mayhem in Minneapolis, uh, where we explain the George Floyd incident. Uh, the sad thing is, is that the Democratic Party uh, decided to exploit the death of George Floyd um, and basically destroyed 10 or 15 major cities in the United States. Um, they, they burned down buildings. They set police departments on fire. Um, and this was all by design. I think a lot of us shrugged our shoulders when we realized that uh, Democratic leadership um, requested that uh, police departments and government officials uh, evacuate or abandon or surrendered. Uh, buildings in this country so that the rioters could take them over and burn them down. Why? Because it makes for great television um, and it supports the distraction. Once the riots started to die down, which after a month or so, they kind of did, they're still happening to some extent, but we don't hear about them as much. Uh, they brought back an old goodie uh, called COVID. Uh, so COVID 2.0. Um, and now they're trying to convince us all that we got to go back and mask and shut the country down again uh, because the distraction is starting to tail off. It didn't bite as hard as they wanted it to. So they're having to create more. Uh, remember where you heard this first. Uh, between now and November, there will be at least two more major distractions. Uh, not sure what they're going to be yet, but they will be big um, and they will be contrived um, and they will show Donald Trump and the Republican Party in extremely negative light. Um, it's actually a race to the finish line to see if they can make that happen before John Durham produces his report. But that is, again, another show that we're going to talk about on another day. So at, uh, at one point in the long con, uh, you have to pacify the mark. Um, so 
it's, it's, if you've ever played three card Monty, um, the, you are in total control of the dealer. You think that there's uh, a possibility that you're going to win because he pacifies you every now and again. So about every third or fourth turn, when he feels like he's about to lose you, he allows you to win. So although you won your $5, you've already lost 50, but you feel pretty good about yourself. It's a classic move. It happens in Vegas every single day. So pacifying the mark. The most important element in the long con is to maintain the enthusiasm of the mark. This is done by providing a small payoff before the final play is made. Keys to being a good pacifier. It's got to feel like a win to the mark. The mark has to feel like everything that they put into this game or this uh, exercise so far, they got to get a little taste of the victory, right? They got, it's got to be something that means something to them. So you let them win something. Then you got to keep the con artist clean. So the pacifier can't be connected to the con artist because whether the con artist believes it or not, the mark truly isn't dumb. They're just so emotionally attached to the issue that they're allowing their senses to be dropped and dulled. So they haven't figured it out yet. But if you allow them to connect those dots, the con will be over. So it can't be attached to them. Then the pacifier also has to be ended or managed by someone other than the con artist. Um, so basically the police department, the Republican government, uh, part of the government, but somebody has to end it other than the con artist. So what was the pacifier? Well. Enter the Capitol Hill Organized Protest, or CHOP. Um, they uh, basically abandoned Portland and Seattle and allowed these people to come in and create their own sovereign nation. Um, they walled it off. This is the interesting thing. Let's stop here for a little sidebar. So the interesting thing about this is that the protesters who were marching against everything anti-American, police were terrible, uh, capitalism is terrible, minorities have been treated terrible, uh, voter ID laws are unconstitutional and racist, um, uh, Second Amendment's awful. Let's talk about the first three or four things they did when they created their sovereign nation. Um, so they created the Capitol Hill Organized Protest Zone. Um, and the first thing they did was uh, wall it off. They, they built a border around it. Uh, so basically they built a wall. Um, and then they decided that um, if, you, uh, if you have a wall, well, that wall is not very high. People can climb over. So how do you keep people from climbing over? Well, armed guard would probably help. So they start bringing in some armed guards. You can see pictures of them there. And I found them on Google. That's not something I made up. Um, and then the last thing that you need to do is you need to know who's coming in or out right? Because you need to know who's inside your border so you can protect yourselves. You need to know who's outside your border so that you can keep them out. And the way you do that is through identification. You have to be able to prove who you are so that you prove you belong there. So within less than 24 hours, they built a wall. Um, they used the Second Amendment, basically, uh, to bring in armed guards to protect their borders. Um, and then they instituted ID checks. So they're essentially Republicans, <laughs> um, which is very strange. And I think that they're probably going to figure that out just before the election. So this may actually be the, the fly in the ointment for the long con, but I just found that interesting. Back to our story. So we know, the, we know who the con artist is. We know who the mark is. We know who the villain is. And we talked about how they're disseminating information. The We talked about everything except the con itself. And it's important that we know what the actual con is. Otherwise, we can't protect ourselves from it. We'll just fall victim to it, just like the mark. So what's the overall con? Well, the goal of the con is to change the United States into a socialist country uh, where they split us into two classes. And it's not black and white, regardless of what they're telling you. It's the elite and the rest of us. Um, and if you think you're in the elite component of that, you're not. Uh, the ones that are know it for sure. And those who think they are, are not. Uh, they'll continue to move those goalposts until they get you exactly where they want you. The sad thing is when you start a socialist country, you put the elite at the top, and the poor at the bottom. 
and you have this many poor. So in order to continue to support your ideology and your system of, of government, you have to make the poor a bigger section. So they start taking the less elite, if you will, uh, and start pushing them down into the lower class so that that money continues to filter down. Now, we all know what happens because we see it happen all over the country. Eventually that line raises until there are no more money left to push down into the bottom and it collapses. Uh, Margaret Thatcher most famously once said, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money to spend. Who are the marks in the long con? Well, we talked about that a little bit and we say the Democratic Party as a, as a large population section, but it's actually all of the lower middle class. So that's me, that's most of the people watching this video, um, that's all of the minorities, uh, women, uh, that's everybody in this country with the exception of the super powerful and the elite, the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Googles, the Twitters. Starting to come together for you now? How do they do it? Well, they got to divide and conquer. Um, the last thing that they need, and I see Candace Owens um, uh, it, on Facebook, and I'm a big fan of Candace Owens. I think she's an amazing speaker. The fact that she's black is irrelevant. Um, uh, the fact that she is super intelligent and a millennial uh, is the most impressive thing I, I know about the woman. So uh, between her and some of those other young folks out there, uh, the Ben Shapiro's of the world and that stuff, they're just amazing. Uh, but Candace Owens has a meme out there that I, I see on Facebook almost every day because she's brilliant about getting into their minds. Um, and what she says is the thing, uh, the thing that the socialists or the Democrats fear the most is when black people and white people realize that they've all been pawns, basically is what she's saying. And that's what we're being. They're dividing us and conquering us. Uh, by splitting us apart, they divert the resources and they're able to control us much easier. Scared, dumb people are easy to control. The overall con, um, how do they execute it? What are the steps to get to the final result? Well, the first thing you do is remove Trump from office. Well, they've taken several stabs at that. Uh, Russia, 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 the Mueller investigation, uh, uh, grabbing female genitalia, using uh, uncomfortable language in press conferences and statements. They've done everything in their world to try to discredit the guy and the majority of his base has not bought into it. Um, however, they've been able to use it to, to fervent their, their cause. Um, so you got to remove Trump from office. That's number one. Um, so they've got to get him out of office and inside this next election. That's why it's all coming to a boiling point now. You got to collapse the current system. Uh, you can't have half the country on socialism and half the country on capitalism. It won't work. They're too conflicting. Uh, you've got to get them together. And it may actually morph itself if they win into a, a different ideology, um, which it will be a combination of socialism and, uh, and anarchy at, at some point, uh, but maybe peppered in with a little bit of capitalism. So there, there may be a more complex plan that they're, they're dealing with, but socialism and capitalism cannot live in the same country. Um, then they have to insert a paper tiger. Uh, why a paper tiger? Well, first, what is a paper tiger? A uh, paper tiger is somebody that you perceive to be in a leadership role, but is actually not, but it's actually somebody behind them actually pulling the strings. And that person is Joe Biden. Now, you would think that if you were going to create a socialist country, um, which is their ultimate goal in the con, is to transform us into socialism, that uh, Bernie Sanders uh, would have been the perfect candidate, but they ran him off. Why did they do that? Well, because Bernie's a wild card. Uh, Bernie, um, I believe that Bernie um, actually has his heart in the right place. I think his head's in the wrong place, but I think his heart's in the right place. He truly believes everything he says, and he has a standard by which he wants to deal with that end. They need him as a voice, but they don't need him in charge because he'll be a fly in the ointment, and they can't have that. So they get Joe Biden, bumbling, stumbling, sleepy Joe, paper tiger. I mean, we watch it every day. The guy can't get through a whole sentence without stumbling. 
Um, he thought that COVID killed 120 million Americans. So it killed 50% of the population, according to Joe Biden. Uh, so that's your paper tiger. That's important. Um, he's not running. It's the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's and the AOC's. They're the ones running. He's just the mouthpiece. And then they'll transform us into that socialist country. So what's the payoff? Why is it so important that they get back in charge in this election cycle? Well, after 2020 election, there will be two additional uh, seats for the Supreme Court of the United States that will open up. Ruth Bader Ginsburg will most likely pass away in the next 12 to 18 months. It's amazing that it hasn't happened yet. I don't say that because I wish it on her. Um, I actually think she's a, uh, an amazing American uh, icon um, in this country. And if you read her books and if you know anything about her, I don't agree with anything that she thinks. I truly don't. Um, but she is, um, she is the uh, American dream wrapped wrapped up together. I mean, to, to aspire to where she has and gone through the things that she did, the notorious RGB, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a really cool story. Again, I don't believe in anything she, she thinks or says, but I like the story. But she's going to pass away. That leaves an empty seat. John Roberts will probably be the second one, um, at least if uh, current speculation is correct. So the interesting thing is, is that right now we're a 5-4 split. Five conservatives against four liberals. If Ginsburg and Roberts both go, and we lose the election, you'll replace them with two conservatives. So it will go to a 6-4 split in favor of uh, liberals. Um, that's why this one is so important, because if the Republicans win um, and we put two more Supreme Court justices in there, uh, actually, whoever wins the election and fills those two seats, it will swing the courts for the next 40 years. Um, so it, if the Democrats win, this country will be unrecognizable uh, because that's what will happen. It will become a socialist country. I'm not... Uh, over-exaggerating. Um, I'm simply stating a fact. That is why all the cards are on the table in this election. It is the biggest election of our lifetime. And then finally, they're going to remove the Electoral College. And again, that's not speculation or hyperbole. Um, that legislation is already being put together by the likes of Elizabeth Warren, uh, being probably co-authored by Hillary Clinton, um, supported by Bernie Sanders. I mean, think about it. They, they spent four years telling us that Donald Trump actually lost the election because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Well, if they remove the Electoral College between New York and California, they will outnumber the rest of the country. That's just a fact. Um, so know for a fact that that's coming. And part of this getting those two electoral or those two Supreme Court justice seats, that's the, that's the backbone of that argument. That's how they pull it off. So I, you got to be thinking, Jason, this is a lot of speculation right now. I know there's a lot going on, but man, that's a really... That's a really intricate uh, tapestry that you're weaving there. I mean, this didn't just pop itself up. This has been going on for a while, right? Yeah, it has. If you remember, back in 2008, Barack Obama told us right before the election, he was five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's his quote right there in front of you. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That was the beginning of the long con. I think it actually went back to 1964 when the Democrats actually filibustered, the longest filibuster in history over the 1964 Civil Rights Act, but that may be a little bit speculative. However, Barack Obama told you he was going to do that. And he actually said, like he does most times, let me be clear. I intend to fundamentally change, transform the United States of America. And he's accomplished that thus far. It's the one thing he did that he actually said he was going to do. So he's got the pieces in place now. And that's why he has not let go of the reins. He's orchestrating also from behind the scenes. Um, that's why you see him pop up. Unlike any other president in history, uh, George Bush, any other president has kept themselves out of politics, but not Barack Obama. Why? 
because he's still fundamentally transforming us. So what are my final thoughts? Well, we know that Obama set in motion uh, his plan to fundamentally transform the United States of America. The Democrats cannot afford to lose this election. If they lose this election, it's over. They have gone all in. They pushed all their chips into the middle of the table, and they are continuing to raise the bet and up the ante. They're either hoping that we fold or that they have enough cards to win. So they cannot lose this election. If they lose this election, the Democratic Party, as they know it and as we know it, is dead for the next 20 years. They'll never recover because it is just not feasible. So the first advice I have in order to solve the problem, which is what I really try to do in these shows. First, you're not going to like this, but it's true. And I want you to wrap your mind around it. You can be mad at me all you want, but it's a fact. Let the statues go. All those Confederate statues, let them go. I don't think they should be torn down or burned or graffitied or vandalized. I think that we should take them down. We should put them into a national park, uh, one national park or a museum or a collection of museums uh, where they can be viewed by the people who choose to view them. There's no reason for them to be out in the public where they are obviously antagonizing um, and have an emotional attachment, quite honestly, honestly to uh, the minorities, specifically the African-Americans in this country. Um, that was a horrific time in our nation's history. Um, we purchased uh, African-Americans and brought them to this country and put the majority of them in chains um, and beat them into submission and forced them to raise our crops for us. And we built this country on their backs. Um, I agree with that. I don't agree with the way things are happening now in order to facilitate that argument, but I actually agree with that. Um, those statues need to come down. There's nobody in Germany who graduated from Adolf Hitler High School, right? You lost the war. Let it go. I mean, Jesus Christ, in the South, we got grocery store chains called Winn-Dixie. Walk it off. Next, engage your liberal friends in this type of debate. It's important that you talk fact. You can't just say, I'm angry because, or I didn't own slaves. That's not a discussion. That's a statement. And it's actually kind of a racist statement. Um, they weren't slaves and we didn't own slaves, but the problems still exist. Um, we've got to figure out how to address it. And the only way to do it is through debate. Don't be afraid of the debate. Sit down, have conversations with them. And I came up with an interesting way for you to do it. Share this video with everyone, uh, not just for my own popularity, but because I think it answers a lot of questions and it exposes a lot of what I foresee as truths um, that are unavoidable. Uh, the shill, take a look around me. It's really not that hard to figure out. I'm not that bright. I have a high school education, barely, and I put that together. So share this video with everybody. Maybe watch it with them um, and then have a conversation surrounding it. And then last but not least, don't be afraid. That is their plan. They want us to be afraid. You cannot be afraid. This election is more important than anything else we've ever done in this country. We cannot be afraid. So that's the sting. That's the long con. And it's happening right now. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you think I'm exaggerating or dealing in hyperbole, uh, I'm not. It's real. It's happening. And it's, it's so blatant and so painfully obvious that you can't miss it but you cannot be afraid. Your country needs you. Stand up and be strong. Our children need us to support uh, capitalism and to keep our country as free as it can possibly be. And if we lose this election, if we allow them to do this, then it's over. It's over for us and it's over for our children and you'll never recognize America again. Stay frosty, America. I love you.